First thing we're going to do now is we're going to do something very unconventional. Having listened to the having listened to the presentation and had reviewed what I'm going to what I've done, what I always do is I always put some supplementary slides in case people ask questions. We're going to put these at the beginning, or these particular slides at the beginning, if it's going to let me. So let's just do a quick, a quick, um, quick bit of live editing. See if it'll let me move everything around. Right there we go. Let's do a bit of an overview. Right, can we see that? Good. Right, as advertised, I'm Dr. Charlie Ball. I'm the Head of Higher Education Intelligence at Graduate Prospects. It says that there, you're all literate. Um, Graduate Prospects is a university body. We're a, we're a sector agency. We've just been through the Bell Review, which um, was traumatic for us. Probably didn't touch you at all. But um, We uh, have a number of official remits within the sector, one of which is employability. Um, and in that capacity, I am essentially the higher education sector's tame labour market nerd. So. In that capacity, I'm going to talk to you about the labour market, and as promised, I've got a fair amount of data. What I'm going to talk to, most, talk, talk to you mostly about is the labour market as things stand, as we know it, the evidence about the level of for masters, for doctorates, a little bit about MBA, we don't have a lot about MBA, um, and then I'm going to talk specifically about the Scottish postgraduate labour market, and why it is that Scottish masters graduates are so keen on Dundee. <laughs> um, but first, some context. So if we take a look, I think we've got this clicker. Super. So if we take a look at what's happened in the UK labour market over the last 12 years. This is a very complex graph, but don't worry too much about anything other than the bottom <laughs> section and the top section. The bottom section is MVQ4+. Now at the moment, I don't have data necessary to break postgraduate qualifications out. But in the last 12 years, the portion of the reason why I've gone back to 2004 is because there's discontinuity before then. So in 2004, 30% of the workforce, this is very important, the workforce had a degree or equivalent qualification. And then at the end of last year, it had gone up to 43.5%. It's an enormous surge in the portion of the working population in the UK with a higher education or equivalent qualification. This is not because we've had a huge influx of people onto the jobs market with degrees. That largely happened beforehand. That largely happened in a decade earlier when the huge expansion took place as a result of the post-92s. We have seen an increase of people year on year, but it certainly has not been quite so profound. As we'll notice from 2016, what that's been accompanied by is a gradual erosion in the portion of people with all other forms of qualification, particularly accelerated during the recession. Those of us who work in energy, Within, within HE, we'll naturally experience recessions at a pretty unpleasant time where it was quite hard for a lot of our graduates to get jobs. And that's true, that's, that's what it was for graduates. It was quite hard for a lot of graduates to get jobs. If you weren't a graduate, it was bloody awful. And it's not got any better, unless you're in London. It's not got any better. The recession is not over for most non-graduates outside of London. Well, for graduates, it's been extremely good. So the portion of people with no qualifications in the workforce has halved in 12 years. And the number of people with no qualifications in the population has not halved in that time. This is part of the reason why. So using annual population survey data um, up to the end of 2016, the, the public figures only came out um, about three weeks ago, so I've not had time to analyse them fully. But if we take a look at professional level qualifications, oh, professional level occupations, these are the areas when we look at uh, teaching a key, key information set, teaching excellence framework, metrics, uh, are the ones considered graduates. Most of the jobs, the large majority of jobs in there, require a higher education qualification. Some don't, but the large majority do. 
And one of the key features, oh, the font's not working. Um, Sorry, it's a. One of the key features of the way that the jobs market has changed over the last 15 to 20 years is it's now very, very, very difficult to get into most of these jobs for the first time without an energy qualification of some kind. So these are new jobs created. We're not talking about replacement demand here at all. So this is the increase in positions that have been created just in 2016 around 417,000 new professional level roles. We only have 330 HE levers. So we've got a big shortfall in graduate numbers, and we see it's largely across the board. The two areas that have fallen largely appears to be in um, youth and social care workers, publicly funded, and this is a huge fall in sole trainers, shopkeepers, and publicans, not graduate level employment. Um, and essentially, this is, this is part, of the, uh, part of the ongoing death of the high street that we're seeing. But every other area of graduate employment, particularly senior managers who have been very fond of awarding themselves new jobs and pay rises over the last year, I'm sure that doesn't happen at your institution, but it does happen in other places. We've seen a very large increase in the number of, in the number of graduate positions available. I've put these in as contrast. These are skilled jobs, um, usually around MDQ3, so A-level qualified, qualified, being lost in huge numbers, as they have been. We've lost half a million um, uh, office jobs, essentially non-graduate office jobs over the last 10 years. Um, these are a primary reservoir of good quality employment for people who have not been to university. Uh, most of those jobs have been replaced by low-skilled, insecure, low long-hour, uh, low-paid work in care, the care industry. So we've had a lot of graduate positions enter the market, and that has meant job um, skill shortages. And some of the most crucial are at postgraduate level. So currently, according to employer skills survey data, the employer skills survey being a survey run by the UK Commission for Employment and Skills biannual survey, uh, it surveys 95,000 or 105,000 this year. Um, UK employers, uh, primarily, so 5% sample of all employees in the UK, uh, primarily small and medium-sized enterprises, and asked them a whole lot of very, very useful questions about the skills they need, the skills they look for, recruitment difficulty and skill shortage. The most difficult job to fill in the UK is quantity surveyor, which is a master's level position. And three of the other top ten, radio, or two of the other top ten are radiography and town planning. Again, master, vocational master's level roles. So this is impinging directly on the labour market for postgraduates. And some of the skill shortages that have been created result can only be filled either by very specialist or by postgraduate training. So let's take a look at the master's labour market. This is going to be Delhi data, so some of this is a bit out of date. Um, it comes with all the caveats the destination data, data has, but it's a good um, examination of what happens six months after graduating. Don't fix it too much on the numbers. They're going to be superseded in about six to eight weeks. And of course, we've got a new Delhi survey coming um, in a couple of years, which I'm part of the development, development team. Um, but if we take a look at master's qualifications, there are two populations of master's students and graduates. About 45% of master's graduates have taken part-time qualification. Um, it's unusual for most major, major qualification levels. Um, long. Ten minutes, not five. Before I lost my first person. Usually, <laughs> usually doesn't take as long. Um, so we've got uh, we, we, we've got about. About 45% are studying part-time and about 55% full-time. Full-time master's students are almost all young. They've almost all taken the master's degree within a year of leaving. Not necessarily straight after leaving, but the large majority are doing it within a 
year of leaving their first degree. Uh, they are usually, so they're usually around 21 or 22 when they start their courses, usually on one-year courses, so they're coming out in their early 20s. Part-time um, master's graduates are usually at least 30 when they start their degrees. They almost always have a, uh, uh, an employment history. They are largely coming into relatively senior skilled an already graduate level um, skilled, um, skilled uh, role, uh, career. Um, and as a consequence, the part-time students tend to do extremely well and are usually going back to previous employers, as we'll see. Full-time, not so great, actually. And what's, what's, what's a concern is since the middle of the recession, we might have a look at why that is if we've got time later. Since about 2011, the unemployment rate for full-time master's graduates has been higher than the unemployment rate for full-time undergraduates. And it's particularly the case in certain disciplines, business studies being the most obvious. Part of that is because of this, is because of the, um, it's the types of work which we'll look at in a minute. Um, but it, it, we, we do have to acknowledge that the, the labour market or the current, current match between supply and demand for some of these master's qualifications is not necessarily working perfectly well. This is a concern in terms of employability but it's a particular concern since were I a gambling man, and I'm not becoming a statistician, but were I a gambling man, I would say that the likelihood is now that during the lifetime of the next parliament, we will get a postgraduate, we will be asked to produce a postgraduate through information test. And that courses, masters taught, taught postgraduate courses, will be required to show the same figures to applicants as undergraduate courses where possible. So if your unemployment rate for your master's for your full-time master's degree is not up to scratch, people will know about it. So this is something that we need to flag up. If we look at the rates for um, UK and non-UK, I used to break this out into UK, EU, and non-UK, but that doesn't seem worth doing anymore. <laughs> so we've now we're now looking at UK and non-UK, and again the unemployment rate is we have for non-UK. Master's graduates. By and large, most people get good outcomes, but there is a long um, and alarmingly high tail of graduates who don't. Part of the reason why is because of aspiration and employment choice. So when we take a look at the types of work people are doing, obviously there's a big split between the full-time and part-time students in Masters. They are two separate populations. Part-time students are largely public sector, they come from the public sector, they're often senior educators, health professionals, particularly nursing. Or, or people uh, transitioning to management roles and they're using their master's qualifications as a very effective form of CPD to bootstrap, them into bootstrap themselves into management positions. We've only got 20 minutes, so I can't do the bit about how we're desperately short of managerial skills in the UK. But the data is very clear that we have a real problem with managerial training across the board. And masters and MBA in particular seem to be quite a good way of addressing that if um, addressed effectively. What happens with full-time graduates is most of them are unaware that they are going to be competing with, with full-time, with, with their undergraduate counterparts and be a year down the line. We've got quite a few people taking vocational masters, but most people are taking non-vocational masters qualifications for which there is not a clear, defined, unique employment niche. There is no job that is opened up by taking an MA in history. It doesn't open anything up for you. It will give you a transition path onto a PhD, there's no extra parts of the labour market that are by that. doesn't mean it's not worth doing, but it's something we need to be clear to um, those aspiring master's students, particularly those who think things like there are so many people with degrees that you need a master's to get a, to stand down now. 
absolutely not true. But it does mean that master's graduates are much less likely to go into non-graduate employment. So what seems to happen than, than undergraduates? So what seems to happen is master's graduates get their master's degree, think it thinks it provides them with an employability boost that perhaps it doesn't, and so they stay out of the jobs market for a little longer, have an elevated unemployment rate, and then find themselves having to go back in a little bit later. And we need to be quite careful to ensure people don't get trapped in a cycle of unemployment or low pay as a consequence, and therefore feel that their qualifications are not good value for money. A similar effect takes place for non-UK um, uh, masters, except of course most of these students being non-UK are not even eligible to do non-graduate employment. They can't get visas to do, the, to do that work. So they're very clustered in the high quality graduate jobs. Much more likely to get a good quality graduate job for those who don't fall between the cracks and end up going on to um, go, uh, being unemployed. Although I must stress, also most non-UK students leave the UK on graduating Prime Minister. <laughs> You've been telling her that for years, but she will not listen. Um, so what we've got there, we've got, we've, we've got a panel, it's, it's interesting to know the um, non-UK graduates are also quite, quite <coughs> prone to going into business, marketing, PR, but also into engineering, surprisingly, managerial roles, education. We've got a good rate. Um, so, so the traditional areas, if you like, traditional areas that people look at for, for, for masters, we've got a lot of people going into business and marketing, and IT, uh, engineering and, and law. Also, quite a lot of people going into creative industries. It's an important reservoir of employment in the creative industries and also in the public sector roles. So it's not just clustered, in fact, it's, it's a better spread than we see for undergraduates. There's a wider range of jobs available. Now, because I've used a different font here, that's not, part, that's not coming out properly. So I apologise for that. Um, we use a bespoke font for these presentations and it's not rendered correctly. We've got Arial rather than some kind of Lucida. But um, unfortunately, it look like, looks like the formatting has gone a bit pear-shaped, so I apologise for that. So hospitals are the most important industry of employment for postgraduates. But the universities ourselves are the next most important employment sector. They're actually number four on the list for undergraduates, unsurprisingly top in the list for doctoral graduates, but they're a hugely important reservoir of employment for undergrads, for, for, for masters. Government um, is the next most important. We'll notice that here we go, the top areas are all public sector. Then we have engineering, uh, banking, management consultancy, computer programming, and we've gone off the end at the bottom, law and the arts, our artistic creation are at the bottom. Uh, of the large areas, but all of these sectors produce large or, or have a large appetite for masters employment. This is part of that somewhat better. The other thing to bear in mind about masters, masters employment is a third of all UK masters graduates start their career in London. The equivalent figure for undergraduates is about 20%. So masters are concentrated much more in large cities, particularly large cities with a strong private sector. So we see this fine city here up at the top. Uh, uh, up towards the top, the, the top city in Scotland for employment. Um, that place, you never forget, is there, is, is down there. Uh, Birmingham, Oxfordshire. Um, sorry, I like Glasgow. It's much more like Manchester than Edinburgh, so I feel quite um, So we've got, we've got uh, Manchester, Edinburgh, Birmingham, Oxford, really, that's Oxford. Glasgow, uh, Hertfordshire, the periphery around London. It's not just Luton. We don't have a huge number of massive graduates going to work in Luton. Um, 
and and so it's a it's a, it's a story of commuter areas around London and large private sector cities. So it's also a good map of where there's a good strong diverse labour market or a very very strong IT sector and not a huge amount else. No offence to Belfast. Um, if we look at the labour market for doctorates, it's slightly different. So for a start, non-UK PhDs have very similar outcomes to UK PhDs because they go home, usually go into academic roles, very highly prized. Our UK PhDs are very, very highly prized. This is a very, very mobile cohort who generally go into extremely good quality <coughs> jobs. About 40%, no, sorry, about 35% go into roles specified as post-doctorate. On a daily day, so you've got a box that you can tick, are you in a postgraduate job? It took five years for me to argue to successfully get them to put that one box in that form. I got a whole standard application classification system changed in two years to get a postdoctorate. It took five years to put a box in the form. So we know 35 years, we know 35% have gone into postdoctoral positions or what they say postdoctoral positions. And the bulk of people in education or science are also in a cheap. But the majority of doctoral graduates leave university as soon as they get their PhD and never go back. So although HE is the most important employment sector for doctoral graduates, most doctoral graduates don't go there. This is a qualification for the rest of the economy. And as Sarah mentioned, um, between one in five and one in seven, as the Roberts Review found in 2003, it's barely changed. Um, in, the, in, the, in the, the 15 years since the Roberts Review was conducted, only about one in five to one in seven of those people who even start a postdoctoral qualification will ever get a permanent position. The fortunate thing is that these qualifications are highly translatable to the jobs market. Although not many of the really serious skill shortages in the economy are directly addressable by doctoral graduates, some of the skills needs, particularly in problem solving and large data handling, are heavily, or heavily impacted or, or heavily affected by doctoral, doctoral training. And so there are a lot of ways that doctoral students can affect the labour market. The other thing to bear in mind is, of course, almost all doctoral graduates who do get jobs go into good quality roles across the economy. Um, business, finance, other professionals, uh, particularly concentrated in the environment and the arts in that particular area. Um, the science and education are the key areas. And the doctoral qualification opens up areas of our research and development that are simply not um, across a whole range of sectors, from the physical sciences right into the arts and cultural sector um, that are not currently opened up. We have a particular niche, for example, a particular shortfall in the quantitative social sciences, which is why I have a career, um, not having quantitative social science. Could have a doctor myself. Anybody want to guess what my doctor is in? You know. Um, <laughs> you know that. <laughs> Sarah developed most of this, this Sarah developed a lot of this data, so I'm actually piggybacking on her work a lot. Maybe not, but She's doing all this. She should be doing this quite a MBAs are half split out into EU and non EU. Um, so, um, I'm sorry, yeah, I put me off now. Um, MBAs, uh, the, the labour market for MBAs is slightly different. So, we've got, well, I've split out other EU and non EU because they're very different, they're different, very different populations again. We don't have a lot of data on this. Um, but the outcomes for MBAs, again, unemployment rates are quite high, but non EU, it is particularly, we've got particularly high unemployment rates. Essentially, these 
um, qualifications are a bit death or glory. So people either go into very, very good jobs or they don't get jobs at all. So we can see that the two populations, the three populations are split out are UK MBAs largely going to management roles, CPD positions, are non EU, are using them to get jobs, uh, particularly the UK, using them to get jobs back home, Prime Minister, <laughs> back home in the finance industry, very well paid ones in general, uh, or in peripheral business service industries. Uh, with not a lot else in there. We've got a small cohort of MBAs going into managerial roles larger than the NHS. Um, and, but the majority, so, so our, our MBAs are largely going to management. I know non-EU or, or, or non-UK ones are largely going to the finance industry. So these jobs are very, very well paid. But again, if we start to produce a key information set for postgrads, this is the trouble we We're going to need to work on what we do about this. Scotland, very briefly, where do postgraduates from Scottish institutions work? The first is most of your graduates get jobs. It's not very interesting data. You're really good. So where do uh, postgraduates from Scottish institutions work? Well, most of your master's graduates are from Scotland. I mean, PhD graduates are from Scotland, and most of them go to work in Scotland. So though, even though you have in, uh, universities with international ambitions, all of your institutions are Scottish institutions which educate Scottish people for the Scottish labour market, and then some of them go somewhere else. It's not unusual, that's what everybody does, even Oxford or Cambridge. Well, not for the Scottish labour market. Some of them go across the border for reasons which I, you know, I'm sure none of you can quite understand. Um, and then we've got the other EU, or as we like to call it, Ireland, and then non-EU. Um, and then non-EU, which is a whole a range of, range of other, uh, other parts of the world. And some of your students go to Wales. And a small number, actually, and rather fewer than we expected, actually, go across Northern Ireland. You've got more people coming from Queens and, and also uh, from, uh, from, from Dublin institutions, actually, coming this way than you, than you are exchanging, slightly unequal. Um, what do your postgraduates do? Your doctorates, unsurprisingly, working in science, but also in education. Uh, and your master's graduates actually have better outcomes than English master's graduates. Um, uh, so business is very important across the board, again, a good spread, a lot of people going to the arts, and business marketing, a little more oriented towards business, engineering and building. That's because so many, no, what's that work again? So many of your graduates are going to work in the big three, um, big three cities, still plenty of labor market in Aberdeen, it hasn't shut. Um, the oil and gas industry hasn't having a brilliant time, but it's still got a significant appetite for good quality employees. But Edinburgh and Glasgow are much the most important labour markets, and then we've got Dundee in Fife, and then a whole bunch of other areas. Um, the Highlands, even the Highlands take 65 masters graduates, 65 masters graduates. Um, and so, you know, we've got a reasonable spread, but it's very, very urban indeed. I'm not going to talk about um, a huge amount about the, uh, the, about the trends in the labour market. The PG labour market has not yet fully recovered from the recession. It's a lot better than it was, but it doesn't seem to have got back to where we were in 2005, 2006, 2007, and it may not. There may have been a step change in the postgraduate labour market. Part of that is linked to issues in the pharmaceutical industry, which we were over-reliant on, particularly in the doctoral level. Part of that is due to austerity because of the important contribution to the of the postgraduate over to the master's labour market in the public sector. Certain areas of vocational postgraduate employment are experiencing very significant 
labour shortage. We have nowhere near enough surveyors, radiographers, town planners, especially social workers in mental health and childcare. Um, most parts of engineering, except electronic engineers. We've got loads of electronic engineers and not enough everything else. It's likely that, um, particularly the postgraduate loan system, I'd like to see an increased, increased, increased amount of PG, but if the labour market doesn't recover for PG, we might start to see some issues in the term. But most graphics will get positive outcomes. Thanks very much.